For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he... She and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill, and his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, Give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah and the life of the child came into him again. And he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are the man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is true. Lord, in the midst of you providing in famine, in brokenness, that the jar would never run out. And yet then disappointment comes and the son dies, but you can actually bring life out of death. You can raise what seems dead to life, Lord. You can bring just joy and excitement and life and vitality where there seems to be disappointment, disillusionment, despair. Lord, I pray that you would bring life into each and every person's heart and into their lives and into their just into their mind, Lord, I pray that you'd stir faith, you'd stir excitement, you'd stir a hope of a future because you are the God who knows the way out of the grave. In Jesus' name, amen. Jimmy, you can have a seat. I'm still surprised that God plans like what people pray and what God is stirring because my mom didn't know that I was meditating on Elijah and his interaction with the widow and the, the death and then the provision because I was going to ask and start by saying, when was the last time you were seriously disappointed? Where something that you'd been planning and hoping and dreaming about just kind of fell through and the plans changed and the, what God was planning seemed to... like diverted a little bit it's like you just started getting excited about hypothetically a new church plant and God changes the plans or you're getting excited about a job and then it doesn't it falls through and it's like it seemed perfect it seemed like everything was just falling into line the reality is sometimes everything falling into line like is God and sometimes it is like when you Jonah and you're running away and there just so happened to be a, a ship that was going in the right direction. It's like, oh man, it must be God. It's like, no, I think we can sometimes read into to, to what we want. And then I wanted to ask, like, when was the last time you actually lost an argument? And we're honest enough to actually say, you know what? I, I'm actually, I'm wrong. You know what? Like, actually, you completely changed my mind there. 
when is the last time you change your hairstyle? Like, just, I had a conversation with somebody and they were actually saying like, man, like specifically men, it's like once you're over the age of 30, like the hairdressers basically say, you never change your hairstyle. It's like, what you got when you're 30 and you're a guy is probably what you're going to stick with for the rest of your life because, hey man, this is who I am and why, why change? It's, it's not worth it. But there's, there's something in us that it's like we reluctant to change because change is hard and it's sometimes painful. And, but there's something beautiful in changing. I got an incredible letter from my daughter this week. Uh, <laughs> Very, very special letter. But she could just see, like, hey, man, like, God is busy with us. She knows that there's changes in the church, and she can see some of the wrestles, and he's, she sees that some people are, I don't know, just questioning, trying to figure out what's next, and can see there's it's just not, like there's, a, there's an uneasiness. She's told some of her friends of the, the changes, and it's exciting, but it's sad. And in the, in the midst of that turmoil, she wrote us a letter just saying that basically, I, I back you. I'm so excited about the adventure that God is taking us on. It is sad, but we, God is taking us on an adventure. And she, she quoted, like, without knowing it, Thomas Jefferson, that's saying, to achieve something you've never seen before, you've got to try something you've never done before. And I was just like, wow. It, it was just so challenging to me. Um, anyway. And then it just seemed appropriate for what we were talking about today, because I want to carry on in Ephesians, where we've been trying to understand how, as a church, we move forward. How do we find unity? How do we find the life of God? God has done this incredible work for us, and then He says, I want you to walk worthy of this calling. We've used the story of the Egyptians, oh, the Israelites being set free from Egypt. And then they, they come out and at Mount Sinai they get given the, the law. And it's like, now I want you to live differently. I want you to be transformed. I don't want you to do what you've done before because I want to give you something you've never had before. So you have to be transformed. And the challenge is that it, in the New Testament specifically, it comes home to each one of us in our hearts. It's like, actually, we need to be transformed. That's why I asked, when was the last time you were confronted with losing an argument and you realized, actually, I need to change my thinking here? When was the last time you were reading your Bible and really were confronted of, actually, you know what, I'm the one that's wrong here. It's hard. Like, it's, I quoted last week from Tim Keller, and it's just appropriate again, but he's basically, it's like, if you read the Bible and you're never challenged, you don't have a relationship with God, actually. Because God has to be able to challenge you. Because that's the, the dynamics of a real relationship. If we don't ever stop at those verses where it's like, whoa, I don't think I'm living up to that one. The tendency is it's like, man, I'll just brush over that one until I find a good one. <laughs> Keep going until I find a promise. It's like, yeah, that, that one's for me. But sometimes there's actually challenges there. And... I think this section of Ephesians is starting to actually challenge us because 
In Ephesians 5, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. So it's actually saying, like, walk as imitators of Christ. Learn to lay down your life for others in the same way that Christ did for you. Goes on to say, actually flee from sexual immorality, from filthy joking, from anything that's inappropriate. It's like we, we know when what we've said is inappropriate. We know when we've judged people. We know when we've actually gossiped about somebody. We've said something we shouldn't. We've thought something we shouldn't. The fight is in our hearts and in our mind to actually believe the best about each other, to hope for the best, to, to fight for the best, to love each other. When we have an issue, when we have a question, our challenge as church is to actually go and speak to them. It's not to hide it, not to walk away, but it's actually go and say, yes, come on. I'm worried about you in this way, or I'm hurt by this, or help me understand this. Like, let me go and speak to him. Um, so there's that challenge, there's that invitation. It's like, if you're uncertain, come speak to each other. It's like there's, there's a challenge to actually live as this church to come and speak to each other. Anyway. But on verse 14, so Ephesians 5, verse 14. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your hearts, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's where the challenge really comes in. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Paul goes on, and we'll probably cover it next week, to give three examples of husbands and wives. So famous verses of wives, submit to your husbands. Absolute favorite verse of all the ladies here. <laughs> Then it's, uh, but Barry's going to preach on it next week, so it's fine. <laughs> um, then it talks about children and parents, and we, we, we hate the, miss the saying, it's like, just do this because I said so, like with kids. I mean, kids absolutely hate that, but the reality is that's actually what submission is. There's an element of like, actually, if I have to explain to you why I'm, why I'm asking you to submit, then you're not submitting to me then you're submitting to the reasoning that I have. There is an element of actually raising kids up to understand the reasoning so that they can make their own choices. But sometimes I need to actually just say no. And they need to learn to actually say yes. It's like, I, I admit, I, I, I'm, I'm on board with that. <laughs> what am I missing? Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I've got chips overflowing behind me. It's fine. <laughs> then he goes on to another one, which is actually slaves and your masters. And it's a whole other complex thing, which again, Barry will help you understand next week. No pressure. He just found out right now. <laughs> um, but there's something about like when we have an argument, 
to submit to somebody is actually to realize that either their argument is greater than ours, their vision is maybe greater than ours, their perspective is more correct, and it takes humility to actually submit to that. So that's why I asked, like, when was the last time you actually lost an argument? When was the last time you realized, actually, my perspective on this is wrong? And there's something greater than mine. It might be that that person just sees it more clearly. Uh, challenged in an argument with, or discussion with Kamo. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't an argument, but he just like, he came back with something and I was just like, wow, that is a good point. Because I just, I, I said like, what about this and this and this? And he's like, but isn't that the same? We were just discussing like the dynamics of power and how to influence people and because there's something of like trying to force people to be good or do we try and win them over so there's a difference between like hard power and soft power so when we submit part of the way of submitting like this there's, there's a role of submission in husbands and wives there's a role of submission with kids and parents there's a role of submission with like a, a boss and his employees there's a role of our submission to the government and there's appropriate times for us to submit, and then there's appropriate times for us not to submit. And it's a complex dynamic of how to understand. But what we were talking about is how do we use the influence that we do have, the power that we do have, to affect change. And we were talking about like the, almost the, the concept of hard power versus soft power. And hard power is something like the government is willing to enforce their will upon you by speed fines, by punishment, by effectively prison. Uh, it's like, that's hard power. It's like, I'm going to get you to behave, otherwise there's consequences. But soft power is basically its influence. It's saying, can I use my example and invitation, the culture that I create, to actually get you to transform willingly? And we were talking about this, and I just said, no, 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 this is, like, we have to do it this way in a kingdom way and effectively it came down to it's like actually it's still power it's still a, a dy dy dynamic of power because from a Christian perspective we're trying to use the power that we do have to affect change in the world the difference is that we don't rely on hard external power we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit helping us to overcome our sin so that we can live different lives, so that the world will look and say, you know what, there's something different about you. And because of that example, I want to be transformed. And that's what Paul is getting at here, where he's saying, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I was tempted to have my alarm going like every single five, like five minutes as I'm preaching as God is like alerting us wake up will you wake up will you wake up arise O sleep arise from the dead Christ will shine on you come on even came over yesterday I feel like all of this sermons about come on today but he came with his uh, shirt that actually had the scripture on the back and 
This is actually quoted from Isaiah. So it's from a couple of sections in Isaiah where Isaiah 51 verse 17. Wake yourself, wake yourself, stand up, O Jerusalem. You have drunk from the hand of the Lord the cup of his wrath, who have drunk to the dregs the bowl, or the bowl, the cup of staggering. Then Isaiah 52, awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion, put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. And Isaiah 60, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and nations shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. The picture is Israel has been basically given over to the Babylonians. We've spoken about this, but it's like this is the brokenness that Israel is experiencing. They've experienced punishment from God. And God is coming in and saying, actually, in this disappointment, in this brokenness, I want you to actually arise, to wake up, to realize that you can actually play a part in this. You, can, you are called to play a significant role in the kingdom of God because I have called you to be my sons and daughters. I've called you to realize that actually you have been made for greatness. But it requires the power of the Spirit coming inside of you, not being filled with wine and debauchery and all of this, but actually being filled with the Spirit, learning to make good use of the time that we've got. Learning to actually be wise in what we, what we give ourselves to. How we learn to actually integrate ourselves with society. How we learn to appreciate the people around us. Learn to see what God is doing in our community. Learn to see the growth in Pierre and Talani. To learn to see God, you are at work in them. They are falling in love with you. They are learning to understand what you are like, God. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understanding the will of the Lord is a complex dynamic. There's tomes written about it theologically. And you can get bogged down and try and figure out, like, is there this perfect will? How do I know God's perfect will? I want to simplify that for you. Read your Bible. Get to know the story of God. The story of His people. And you will see that God is always faithful. People will disappoint you. You will disappoint yourself. You will trip and you will stumble and people alongside you will do the same and God will be there to pick you up we read the Bible not because it's this rule book of how to be perfect but we get to understand what it's like in this life there's challenges are going to come there is no guarantee that you do the right thing life is going to be perfect but actually we begin to know God as our father and he wants to provide for us and he wants to provide an environment where we can actually grow. Then we see perfectly, we get introduced to Jesus. And he shows us exactly what the Father is like. That he loves us and he cares for us and he does 
he's like he's paved the way for us what it means to actually live this life and jesus right at the end he was even wrestling it's like god if it is possible take this cup from me but not my will your will be done he knows that sometimes the way we're living like what we had dreamt of is not what it's going to be there's sometimes you're going to be faced with disappointment and in those moments we actually say god not my will but yours be done and then in the new testament we actually see what it's like to be empowered by the spirit so we say trinity central so we understand god through just diving in and understanding our bibles we actually get to know god as our father we get to know jesus and we get to know what it's like to be empowered by the spirit that's how we discern what is the will of god by doing that then paul says i appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of god to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to god which is your spiritual worship do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of god what is good and acceptable and perfect when james 1 he says if any of you lacks wisdom let him ask god who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him not sure how long i've been going but god wants us to wake up not that you guys are completely fast asleep <laughs> but there's something of we use baptism as a picture of being raised from death to life and we sometimes think that this arise awake is us like getting saved no this is actually awakening you to the potential that's locked up inside of you to get to play your part it's not a salvation issue this is an issue of are you living to the fullness of what god has for you you've been called to live as imitators of christ now he's calling you to live fully alive arise awake don't repeat the same day again and again and again culturally at the moment there's like a big fight there's on the one side there's people that are talking about basically getting woke waking up to the injustices of the past to waking up to say you know what the world is broken do you not see these are all the problems and these are our solutions and then you got the whole other side of the spectrum that talk about getting red pulled it's a metaphor from the matrix where it's like can you take the red pull or the blue pull and if you're brave enough you'll take the red pull to really see what's going on so both sides politically are trying to use this idea of will you wake up to what's really there and i think both sides are missing the truth because they don't see sin and they don't see the brokenness and they don't see the kingdom of god is the answer of what we're longing for and wherever you are politically you're going to miss it if you don't understand that god is the answer the world is longing for the kingdom of god but they don't want to submit to the king they don't want to submit to something that's greater than them that's why there's a fight children don't want to submit to parents honestly wives don't want to submit to husbands partly because husbands are not worthy of submitting to it's like people don't want to submit to any authorities 
we have been saturated in a world that has been like democracy is the only way. So it's because my vote counts. So we distrust leaders. We distrust church leaders. We distrust political leaders. We distrust every leader. And then we sit there and say, where are all the leaders? We've made it so that like everybody that ends up trying to step out and stand for something gets torn down as soon as they make any one mistake. But God wants us to actually learn how to submit. Like the centurion that says, I am a man under authority and I'm a man in authority. You just say the word and I will listen. God. I don't know what the answer is for each and every one of you, but I'm happy to journey it. Like I was thinking this like, man, make good use of the time. We here for three or four more months. I want to use that time wisely. I want to spend as much time with each and every one of you as what I possibly can so that I can give you everything that I've got and I can learn everything I can from you so that we can learn how to journey together with God. I've learned being a pastor is not about having all the right answers. It's about showing up. It's about praying together. It's about just worshiping together. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. <sighs> the other example I thought of for today is an old movie called Groundhog Day. <laughs> very, very deep movie, but <clears throat> way over the head of some of you because it probably came out before you were born. Um, but the whole story was that a guy was stuck in a loop where every day was exactly the same. He'd, wait, he'd go to bed, wake up the next day, the exact same thing. And he was the only one who realized it. But by repeating that day, day after 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 day, he re- eventually started to realize and he actually had to grow in himself. And he had to realize like the errors of his ways. And it's actually an incredibly profound movie, even though it's just like set up as a comedy. And I think that's the heart of what Paul is actually trying to say. Wake up. Don't keep going on the same cycle. I don't know about you, but there's areas in my life where I've struggled with the same things for far too long. I've been a Christian for most of my life. And there's certain areas where enemy tries to like trip me up and trip me up and trip me up. And I don't know about you, but it's generally the same areas. Whatever it is you struggle with, maybe today God is actually saying, wake up. I've got power that you don't know. I'm inviting you to actually find victory in that area so that you can wake up to be who I've called you to be. I want to shine on you. Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the people of God. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. And the nations shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. The reason we can have confidence in this is because out of the deepest disappointment that the disciples faced, God raised Jesus from the dead and he brought life. 
the disappointment of like, will you at this time restore the kingdom? It's like, no, you guys are going to be my ambassadors and you're going to establish the kingdom. One step at a time, one disciple at a time, one church at a time, in the messiness of a house in Chasuntain, we're going to establish the kingdom of God. In one heart, in one life at a time. And it spreads like that. Lord, thank you for what you are doing. Uh, I know that it can be disturbing that you take us and you, you take us on an incredible journey and you, you sometimes change direction and you call us into this adventure. But it's an adventure because we don't necessarily know what's coming next. I pray in those areas where people have been challenged that it's, there's a repeated weak spot. There's a repeated hurt. I feel like I can't trust a leader. I feel like I can't trust men. I feel like I can't trust women. I feel like I can't trust about my finances. I feel like I can't trust you for our future, for my health, for my kids. Lord, I pray that you'd stir faith again. That you'd come and Pour out your spirit upon this community. That you would stir a trust in you. That actually you're calling us to arise and shine. To be the kingdom ambassadors that we are called to be. Sons and daughters of God. That display you to the world. Thanks to Pierre, we got a nice treat for communion. <laughs> he suggested that we have tennis biscuits instead of Mari biscuits. I don't know if that quite fits with the fact that we're supposed to take bitter herbs and it's a <laughs> communion supposed to be a reminder of like the pain and but for us we're gonna be it's gonna be a reminder of the sweetness of what Jesus has done for us. I was struck by the fact that Jesus' life is almost like a, uh, the opposite of ours. Where he was perfect, sitting in heaven, and he saw the brokenness of the world and said, I'm going to go and be born into that and live the perfect life to display to the world what it is like for like a, a man to partner with God and just establish the kingdom. Whereas we were, we were lost we were broken. We were dead. We didn't have a choice. And he raised us to life. So that now we can choose to do the same. Oh Lord, thank you for your body. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your example. Thank you that it sets us free from all of the sin and brokenness that entangles us and holds us back. The unforgiveness, the hurt, the pain. And strengthens us. Thank you for your spirit that actually empowers us to live victoriously, Lord.
In Jesus' name. Amen.